Welcome everyone. My name is Darren Snow and I am the senior pastor at Crossroads Community Church in Aurora, Illinois. And I am so glad that you are joining us in our series on the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus called Walking in the Light. Amen. How are we today? It's so good to see you. Uh, you may be seated. Uh, it's my joy and honor to welcome you to Crossroads. My name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here. I uh, just wanted to welcome you. For those watching online, want to welcome you as well. I have a cool little story. I was in Geneva last week, and a lady came up and introduced herself. Her name's Teresa, uh, and she told me she's been watching us for over a year online. Um, so I want to say hey to Teresa if she's watching online. I'm so glad that, and people are cheering for you, Teresa, so we're, we're excited. Hey, uh, so you never know. I have to be on my best behavior uh, whether here in Geneva or wherever, because people are watching. Uh, but it was a real blessing uh, to meet her and just learn that, you know, God is using this platform to bless people, and, and that's what it's for. That's the reason that we're here. I uh, also want to welcome you to week four of our series, Walking in the Light, as we're walking through the entire book of Ephesians. So if you want to go ahead and turn there to chapter one, uh, as you're turning, I also want to invite the men in the room. If you are 18 or older and out of high school, we're having a men's retreat next month at Dixon Valley Camp, which is less than a half hour from here, April the 14th and 15th. We're going to stay one night at the camp and program through 5 p.m. on Saturday, and then you will be dismissed to go sleep in your own bed, catch up with your family or whatever you need to do. But we have a wonderful spiritual track laid out in our Bible studies. There will be some free time, some time to relax uh, so all men, go to our website, hit the events tab, uh, and look for the men's retreat, and you can sign up. If you have any questions, I would be happy to answer them uh, for you, but we would love to have you on our men's retreat next month. So as we are in chapter 1, we're going to look today at verses 15 through the first half of verse 19. And we have already learned a lot in this series on Ephesians. Paul is not holding anything back as he is helping us understand who God is. One of the impressions that uh, I have taken away from chapter 1 so far is the involvement of the Holy Trinity in our lives, Father, Son, and Spirit, not only in our salvation, uh, but the beautiful Trinity, God the Father, His Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are involved in our lives, not only at salvation, but, but daily and continuously. And as Pastor shared with us last week, we see the ministry of the Holy Spirit himself as he is our seal and our guarantee. So when we come to know Jesus and we receive the Holy Spirit, we are sealed by him or marked by him as sons and daughters of God. And then the guarantee is a future guarantee that we will receive in the fullness of the consummation of all things. At the end of the day, we will be with God in heaven for all of eternity, sealed and guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. But the Apostle Paul is going to stretch us a little today. He's going to take us further and deeper into the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so I think we're going to learn quite a bit. I know I have in preparation for this. So let's see what Paul has for us. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. He writes, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, 
remembering you in my prayer. So here's what he's praying for. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having your eye, the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. So that you may know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And so that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Isn't that a beautiful text? A lot going on there. But if we kind of just walk this out line by line, uh, we see he continue the conversation from last week. So because of the Holy Spirit's seal and guarantee for this reason, he is admiring the faith and the love of these believers that he's writing to in Ephesus. But then he focuses his prayer for them on two things. There are two things that he really wants them to know that they possess in the person of the Holy Spirit who lives in, in them, and that is the spirit of wisdom and revelation, or you could say the characteristics of wisdom and revelation. And if you are a believer in Jesus, you possess these two things, but it's one thing to possess them. It's another thing to really walk out in the power and strength of them. And the challenge for modern American Christians especially is it's a challenge to go deeper with the Lord because we just kind of want the bare minimum. We just want to skim the surface. The average person is just interested in getting heaven, but not necessarily going very deep in their relationship with God. And I want to help you understand how to go deeper because there is this level of knowing, this confidence that our text ends with in verses 18 and 19 that describe a hope in the riches of our inheritance and the greatness of his power toward us. That's what Paul wants you to discover. And in order to, for you to discover that, the wisdom of God and the revelation of God are the pathway for you to be more confident in who he is in you. So it's important for us to understand what these are. So since Paul is praying that we would understand these things, we need to ask the question, how do we attain this wisdom and this revelation that Paul is praying for? So I think the text we need to bring in to give us a really clear understanding is Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. This is a really important prophecy, but Isaiah the prophet beautifully describes Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and I think it'll help us understand our text. So let's read it. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So he's speaking about Jesus when he would come be incarnate on the earth. And we know at Jesus' baptism, he received the Holy Spirit. So this is what he's describing. The Spirit of the Lord, Holy Spirit, shall rest upon Jesus. And look at the description of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Does that sound familiar? That's what Paul's praying for, for us the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now you notice the S there is capitalized in that passage. And so these aren't a, a whole bunch of different spirits that he's saying would rest upon Jesus. This is the Holy Spirit, but this helps us see the depth of the Holy Spirit. 
that the Holy Spirit is not just there to be our spiritual buddy or companion, but he is there to equip us and, and offer us wisdom and understanding in the Lord, counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of the Lord, that literally what we have in us is this all-encompassing power to live victoriously, but do you know what you have in the person of the Holy Spirit? Because in case you didn't realize, we receive the same Spirit at salvation that would rest upon the Lord Jesus that the prophet is describing. You may think, man, this is just kind of a one-time God just sprinkles us with a little spiritual dust. No, no, no. The presence of the Holy Spirit comes within us to equip us to live in victory. You have everything you need to live in victory in the Holy Spirit. It's amazing to me, hundreds of years prior, that Isaiah's describing the Holy Spirit He's describing Jesus in his relation to the Spirit to give us a picture of exactly what Paul is praying for, that our hearts would be enlightened to, that we would understand who we possess in the Holy Spirit and all of the amazing benefits that we have in him. So that leads to point of truth number one, which is this. Christ provides supernatural resources to all Christians. Now you may say, Pastor, well, you just described everything the Holy Spirit was and is, so, so why Christ? Because remember, Jesus is the one who gives us access. Your faith in Jesus comes first, and then you receive the Holy Spirit. But it is a simultaneous transaction of faith, if you will. So when you come to the saving understanding of who Jesus is, you see the gospel, and you decide to confess he is Lord, place your faith hope and trust. He redeems you, forgives you, sets you free, declares you righteous. We could go on, on, and on, but he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit to live in you. So it is Christ first and the Spirit received in that moment of faith. So it's Jesus who ultimately provides the Holy Spirit to come and live on in us and, and, and give us these supernatural resources which are spiritual in nature. Because our fight, as we see later on in Ephesians, is a spiritual battle. These supernatural resources that we possess in the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to fight this spiritual battle that we are in. So you might have come in this morning dragging a little, maybe a little beat up by the circumstances of life. But understand, you have everything in you in the power of the Holy Spirit to fight this fight and to walk in the victory of Jesus. You see, the Christian life is not about just doing religious things. It's not about just getting your ticket to heaven and then going about the activities of the church. And, and the activities are good. I'm for them. But the Christian life is about accessing the supernatural power of God through Christ. Because what God is after is not for you to just get a little smarter. He's after you to understand the power in you so you can live the life he's called you to in victory according to his power. Because we find out pretty quickly, we're not very powerful, are we? But through his power and strength, God can do great and mighty things in and through us. So what I want us to do is kind of camp on wisdom for a moment and then revelation here in just a few minutes so we can really understand 
these two spiritual resources that we have in Christ and have in the Holy Spirit that Paul wants us to have. So when we're talking about wisdom, just to kind of define it for you, uh, it is the capacity to understand and act wisely. So the word that Paul uses there in verse 17 for wisdom is literally the word discretion. So there is a capacity to know. Knowing is good. Knowledge is good. But wisdom is that when you take the knowledge of God and you live and walk that out practically with discretion. Because you can have knowledge, but if you don't walk out in the truth of the knowledge you have, then you're not living with wisdom. You just can build up knowledge. And again, knowledge isn't bad. These two things aren't enemies of one another. They should complement one another. Paul writes a little more uh, in 1 Corinthians about this idea of wisdom. Uh, so let's see a little further what it is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 24 through 25. Here's what Paul says about wisdom. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power. And God's wisdom, because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. So again, Paul's like, you want wisdom, you pursue Christ. If you want power, you pursue Christ. And what he's really trying to lay out, because Paul was engaged with a lot of secular culture. He had a lot of conversations with philosophers in Greek culture, a lot of conversation uh, with Jews and religious leaders. And, and so Paul had to really try to help convey where the wisdom and the power really would reside because he met people who were so fascinated with knowledge. He had the Jews who were relying on their knowledge of Torah and the fact that they had it memorized and all of this. And so they could boast and posture in this idea of how much knowledge they had, but they lacked power, and they were puzzled by that. But Paul's saying, no, you lack power. You can have power, but you've got to go through Jesus. But they would deny who Jesus was, so they couldn't access the power. And then he would engage the intellectuals who were trying to reason their way toward God, and what they're finding out is, is, is they're labeling everything as God. They're not finding their way to, to the one true living God. And so Paul's trying to help them understand that the world cannot know God through earthly means. In fact, verse 21 in 1 Corinthians says, the world did not know God through wisdom. So you can't go through earthly wisdom or earthly means to access the power of God and who he is because God's wisdom and his power are accessed through Christ, not any means in this world. So if you're here this morning or watching on, online and you seek this supernatural power of God, you cannot find it apart from Christ. You can read more. You can expand your intellectual capacity, and that's good. Paul wasn't an enemy of intellect, but if it's life change and it's power that you are after, which was the testimony that the Apostle Paul was standing upon that can't be found and known through earthly means. Let's read another passage because Paul continued on this topic, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, where Paul said, My speech and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration 
by the Spirit, so that. So anytime you see so that in Paul's writing, just underline it because he's about to get to the point of the purpose. So that your faith might not be based on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So again, Paul's saying, my speech and my proclamation, the word proclamation is where we get the word for preaching, were not with persuasive words of wisdom. So you could mistake in this as, well, maybe he wasn't really using his brain or some mystical thing happened as he was preaching, fire came and smoke appeared and dust was flying everywhere, some real show. And that's not at all what he was describing here. But he's saying, when I was preaching, when I was sharing my story and my testimony, because anytime Paul had the opportunity to describe his ministry, he would always point back to Jesus in the gospel. Because he had a radical change of heart when he encountered Jesus. The point for Paul uh, was God. It wasn't Paul's intellectual capacity. So Paul wasn't saying, I outsmarted you. He wasn't saying, you're not smart enough. That's why I'm right and you're wrong. See, intellect can just lead to posturing. But what Paul was demonstrating is your testimony is what demonstrates the power. Someone can say, well, I'm smarter than you. I'm right. You're wrong. And you can have all this back and forth. But what you cannot deny is the testimony of God in your own life. It's inarguable. And that's what we stand upon in Christ. That's the evidence of what he has done. And that's what I shared with you guys a couple of weeks ago. When Paul was on that road to Damascus, he was a flaming lunatic in Acts chapter 9. He was responsible for the killing of Christians. And then what happened? He encountered Jesus on that road, and he was never the same from that day forward. Why? Because when he met Jesus, everything in his life changed. Because now he left his boasting and intellect and knowledge, and he met the power of God in Jesus Christ. And that's what happens. That's what happens when you come to know Jesus. That's why we always point you back to Jesus, to placing your faith, hope, and trust in him because he gives access to the power. And that's what we need for life change. That's what we need. So point of truth number two is is this. The spirit empowers us with God's wisdom and understanding. So we place our faith in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit, and then the Spirit himself, the precious Holy Spirit, empowers us with God's wisdom and God's understanding. And Paul is encouraging Christians, and I believe it applies to us today, to pray for God's wisdom and his revelation, understanding they come to us through the Holy Spirit not through worldly means. In other words, he's not saying don't just read another book and try to expand your knowledge, but grow in your relationship with God by spending time in his presence. And in a busy American culture, we're too busy for the presence of God. And that's why we miss out often on the power in the depth is because we don't come to God with much to allow him to fill us with. We put God on the shelf and come to him when it's convenient for us. 
So wisdom is found through Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and you can grow in it as you make yourself available to spend time in his presence. Now let's talk Revelation. I think 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 12 will help us understand this idea of Revelation. Paul wrote, now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So you want depth, you've got to have the Holy Spirit. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us. Now you see there, now that God has, you see that word revealed, it's the same idea of revelation. What Paul's talking about in that chapter is that what has been revealed to him and others who have placed their faith in Christ are the mysteries of God that can only be known as the Holy Spirit provides you the ability to interpret and know. So as Pastor shared with us a couple of weeks ago, the unspiritual person cannot understand the spiritual concepts of God on their own strength and power. We need the Holy Spirit's help to help us understand the things of God. So it is part our effort in studying the Bible and getting to know God, but it is in large part the Holy Spirit revealing these things to us. But here's where we have to be careful with revelation. Because we have so many people today who say they have revelation. And this is where I get really nervous. I call these people leaders of the church of God told me so. Maybe you've heard of them. Maybe you've listened to or read some of the things they've said where they say, I have a revelation from God. But, but here's really the temptation and risk, again, for modern American Christians with this idea of revelation. We've got a younger crowd, especially in our country, who is very passionate for the things of God. And I appreciate that. But what's happening is they're seeking revelation apart from the revelation that we already have. And here's the risk that we run into in, again, modern American culture, and it expands to the world as well, is we'll close our Bibles and then we'll pray with fervor and passion and all of this, God, give me revelation. God, give me something to see. When I think the Apostle Paul, and I actually think Jesus would say, well, why don't you just open up the Bible if you want revelation? Because at the end of the day, church, the Bible is the measuring stick by which you can know the revelation has come from God. Because can God allow you to see something that may not be exactly written here? Sure he can, but this is the measuring stick as to whether or not it is true. And just because some, someone's on a popular social media platform, and they're preaching these things about Jesus, they could be absolute lies. You've got to measure them up against the Word of God. You've got to use the Bible as the measuring stick to affirm whatever has been revealed to you. It is irresponsible to seek revelation from God apart from the Bible. It's just irresponsible. Because modern Christians don't read it. And, and we know that statistically it's true. And so I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty and say, if you don't go read your Bible for six hours today, you're a loser. I'm not after that at all. 
But I'm trying to help you see, church, maybe your passion doesn't line up with your practice. And if we'll get in the word of God, your practice can honor God and he will reveal some things to you. But I want to be very clear, especially to our young folks in the crowd who are on social media, receiving all kinds of information on these social media platforms. If you are developing opinions about God apart from the Bible, then you are simply developing your own version of God. Here's where you have to be careful. I don't care how charismatic they are or how many followers they have on social media. If you are developing opinions about who God is apart from the Bible, then you're just simply creating your own version of God. But the security we have of who he is and the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal the word of God to us will come from the Bible if you will just give it a chance. You see, when you grow in God's word and you learn that wisdom is, is from the Spirit and God wants that for you and will give that to you, you can be on your way to growing in depth and understanding of who God is and how to grow in Him. So all the wisdom you need, all the depth of understanding in who God is, is found in Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit. But the Bible gives us some practical advice about wisdom too. So just because you possess it, how do you really access wisdom and grow in it and receive it? How do you know? Well, here's point of truth number three. It's to understand this. Wisdom is a free gift from the Father. It's, it's, it's a free gift. You thought grace was the only free gift. Wisdom is a free gift. You know how I know that to be true? It's right there in James chapter 1, verse 5, where he wrote, if any of you lacks wisdom, look at this, let him ask God. It doesn't get any more practical than that, does it? Who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So why don't you just ask? If you want wisdom, Paul's praying that we would become a people who would want it, well, if you have Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit, just ask the Father and he'll freely give it to you. I would actually recommend that you make this a part of your daily prayer life. Just build it in wherever you are. God, give me wisdom, not just for specific situations, just in general. God, help me to be a wise person to take your knowledge and your truth to have not only the capacity to know but God help my feet to move to live this life out according to your wisdom and if we can get wisdom right and the source of revelation right then Paul ends our passage today by showing us that you can be confident in these three outcomes for the person who has wisdom in Revelation, and these outcomes are simply what he stated there in verses 17 and 18. That you can be someone who has hope, you can be someone who understands the glorious inheritance that we have in Christ, and you can be someone who begins to walk in and understand the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. 
So practically, if we bring all of this home this morning, if the end goal is to be confidence in his hope, his riches, and his power, here's how you do this. You do so through the word of God, which is illuminated by the spirit of God when we position ourselves in his presence with the desire to know him. Do, do you want to know? Do you want to know him? Because there's a lot for him, a lot of him for you to know. But again, here's the struggle for us. And when I say modern American Christians, I'm right there with you. I'm one of these. Here's where we struggle. When it comes to God and the depth of wisdom and revelation, we skim the surface. And what happens is when we come to know Jesus, we, we lose sight of the person of Jesus and we then can become busy with the activities of Jesus or of the church. And the activities are good and they can be positive, but you can become so busy even doing church things that you lose sight. There's a person there who, who desires to have a relationship with you, who wants you to spend time with him, who's willing to grow you and encourage you and help you if you will just create some space for God, and I want to challenge you to value the person of God over the activities of God and not lose sight of that truth this morning. And here's the final point of truth that I'll leave you with. This really comes down to us learning to value the presence of God, and you will know the power of God. Do you see it? Value the presence of God and you will know the power of God. That's what he has for you. It's about a person. It's not just about doing things. And this comes through priorities and examining our life, examining our schedules, and really trying to figure out how do we get more of him? How do we spend more time with him? Because here's what I think could be a good example to help illustrate this for you. That I believe the wisdom of God, the depth of God that he has for us is kind of like the ocean. Have you ever walked out on the beach and stood there and just looked at the ocean? And, and been enamored by the length, the depth, the breadth of that body of water, where as far as you can see is water. It's, it's amazing. Maybe I'm the only one fascinated, but I think it's cool. I think a part to help us understand the depths of God, if Jesus would walk out there with you on that shore, that Jesus would say, you know what, everything that you have in the Holy Spirit that you possess that you may not know is like this body of water. It's like the ocean. But the question is, how much of the ocean do you want? How, how much do you want? Do you want just a little communion cup's worth? And you just say, well, I, I just want a little bit. I think the response of the average Christian 
would then ask Jesus, well, how much does it take to get to heaven? Because you see, we really want the benefits of God more than we want God himself. We want heaven far more than we want Jesus to be our Savior and Lord. When in fact, if you want to live your life, you want to be a world changer, you want to be a difference maker, whether you're younger or you're older in this room today, if Jesus were to put that in front of you, you ought to say, where's the largest container I can find? Because God, I want to scoop up all of you that I can possibly possess. And then if that's the case, if you really want more of him, then you've got to go to work on the other areas of your life to create space for him. Then Jesus is going to call us to live a life that we've got to sacrifice some of this busy world in order to create space for him. And you've probably been hearing about a particular revival in our country that happened in Kentucky. But I've been reading about other pockets of revival taking place and you may not even know what revival is this morning but I heard a pastor say who was experiencing one of these outpourings of God's spirit saying it's not really revival that we should pray for it's that the people of God would become desperate for his presence what we really should want is for God to set up his tent here and for us to care more about him than this world and I think that's when God would pour out his presence on us So my question to you this morning is, how much do you want? What's your spiritual capacity? What do you bring to the ocean of God? Do you just want to scratch the surface? Do you just want heaven? Or do you want the depths of God? That's up to you. The ocean is his. How much you want is up to you. Can we make it about God, not just the activities and the benefits of God? Can we just make it about Him? Thanks for joining us today. I really hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like more information on Crossroads Community Church, you can check out our website at crossroadsconnect.net. And if you are ever in our area, we would love to have you visit us in person at 3003 South Eola Road, right here in Aurora, Illinois. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to having you join us again next week as we continue our series in the book of Ephesians, Walking in the Light.